Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great, come on, say it with me, I am. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, John chapter 6. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, John chapter 8. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold, John chapter 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, John chapter 10. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the, come on, say it with me, the life, John chapter 11. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, John chapter 14. And then Jesus said, I am the true vine, John chapter 15. In the middle of all that we've been experiencing, COVID-19 pandemic, sickness and death, divisive politics, racial tension, ungodly, radical ideologies, violent protests, cancel culture, soaring prices, economic instability arise in virtually every fear and addictive behavior brought on by mounting anxiety, anger, and frustration. Listen, the spirit of the Antichrist Dividing lines now more than ever in nearly every area of life. What's the answer? Or who's the answer? What happened to joy to the world? Where's peace on earth and goodwill toward men? All of this that has transpired over the last couple of years, if we're honest, has left a lot of people weary. A lot of people at the end of their rope, at the end of their hope, burnout, tired, frustrated, and we're in need of deliverance. We need help. Friend, I know you know this, but help is here. Amen. Help has come. There is life, there is light, and there is hope to be found in Jesus Christ by all that are still looking for him, amen, by all that are still pursuing him. So we started this series last week, and we're simply calling it A Weary World Rejoices, and the subtitle is Finding the Thrill of Hope That Jesus Brings. Now, I just want to remind you, when we talk about hope, biblical hope, we're talking about a confident, joyful expectation, We're talking about something that the Holy Spirit brings up on the inside of us, regardless of how we're feeling or what we're thinking or how dark things are getting. The hope to be found in Jesus is something that the Holy Spirit wants to thrill and fill your life with this Christmas season, 2021. And so what we're doing, we're taking the time to look at the real Christmas story, And we're taking the time to look at some characters 
that are in the Christmas story. And we're looking at the characteristics that they possessed. Some of the characteristics that they had that God saw in them that prepared them for the reception of Jesus Christ. For the light and the life and the hope that all of us desperately need. And if you were here last week, you remember we started by looking at the life of Mary. And there's a bunch of reasons that we'll never understand why God sovereignly chose her. But there are some reasons in the scripture that we can point to and say, hey, these are reasons why God chose her. And one of the reasons God chose Mary to conceive and to carry and to birth Jesus is because we discovered that Mary had a humble heart. And we looked at biblical humility. And we understand the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace, come on, finish it with me, to the humble, right? And biblical humility stands separate and distinct from just a, a, a secular or world or non-biblical definition. People would say, oh, to be humble is to think less of yourself or think of yourself less and think more of other people. And that's true. But when we're talking about biblical humility, church, especially for us as Christians, it includes, first and foremost, that we think of God more than we think of ourselves. So true biblical humility is, God, I exalt you and what you think and what you say over what I think and over what I say. And if you read the story about Mary, we see that that was a characteristic she had. She had a humble heart before the Father. So if you will, go with me to Luke chapter 2, because today we're going to look at another character or characters in this story. And the title of today's message is simply this, a responsive heart. Would you say that with me, church? A responsive heart. Now, I'm not going to read the whole story for time's sake. But I just want to kind of catch us up, and then we're going to go back and we're going to identify some characteristics that these guys had in this story. You all remember the story about the shepherds? So God sends an angel to the shepherds. They're out there tending their sheep. And just let me include this. It's so important you know these weren't regular shepherds, and these weren't just regular common sheep. If you study this out, these were shepherds that were charged with and educated, if I can use that term, in caring for these special sheep that would be used for worship and sacrifice unto God. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice daily. Usually would sacrifice a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening. So these shepherds were charged with guarding and caring for and tending and nurturing these sheep that were under their charge and under their care. So God sends these angels who suddenly appear out there in the fields where the shepherds were. You remember the story? And the angels make this incredible heavenly announcement to the shepherds. And they tell them, to you this day, a son has been born, a child has been given, and you're going to find him, remember, you're going to find him wrapped in these swaddling cloths. You're going to find him. It'll be a sign to you. You'll find him lying in a manger. He's going to bring good news. He's going to bring peace on earth. He's going to be what everyone has been expecting and anticipating. Now, you got to back up and you got to think. 
These shepherds were familiar with Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. They were familiar with Old Testament prophecies concerning the ultimate sacrificial lamb. So when they're hearing this, something's happening on the inside of them. They get all excited. And the Bible tells us when the angels leave that they immediately go and they begin to search out this little baby. And the Bible tells us that they find Mary and they find Joseph and they find the babe lying, wrapped in these swaddling cloths that the shepherds would use to wrap the baby lambs when they were born so they wouldn't thrash about and so they wouldn't hurt themselves because these lambs had to be spotless and blameless and pure without any defects. And the shepherds knew when they saw that baby wrapped in those linen cloths, they would be looking at the ultimate prophesied sacrificial lamb. And God sees something in these shepherds. And I want us to identify what God saw so that we can begin to apply what these shepherds had in our everyday lives, especially during this Christmas season, so that we can experience the life and the light and the hope that still comes today through the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing out of three that I want you to see that they had. The shepherds received and responded to the good news. Say that with me. The shepherds received and responded to the good news. Now, I like to look at words and I like to look at definitions because I want to make sure that I understand what they mean. So I'm not supposing you're dumb or you're dull or you don't know what this means. I just want to remind us. When I say the shepherds received and responded, a definition for receive is to readily accept as true or worthy. When you receive, when they received, they readily accepted as true and worthy what the angels were announcing to them as a mouthpiece for God. And the second word, responded, a definition for respond, listen, is to act in return or to react positively or favorably. So I want you to catch that. The shepherds received and responded to the good news that they were hearing. Look at it with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 out of the New King James. This is what the Bible says. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, I want you to consider this for a moment. They could have made excuses and decided not to respond and go and look for Jesus. They could have come up with some reasons why it would be a good reason not to have received the news they heard and to respond 
in haste, the Bible says, to go look for what the angels shared with them. And that kind of reminds me of a parable of the king's banquet. Do you guys know what a parable means? You know what a parable means? So it's an earthly story that Jesus would use, but he would use an earthly story to bring home a, a spiritual point or, or a heavenly point. And Jesus tells this story about a king's banquet. And in Matthew 22, 2 and 3, it says this, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. Now, if you study that out, Jesus is talking about God sending him to the world and inviting everyone who would come to receive and respond to Jesus and the good news that he brings. And in this story, unfortunately, the people that are invited refuse to come. In other words, they were unreceptive and they were unresponsive. And when you read the story, it tells you why. Someone in the story bought a new field, and they had to tend to it. Someone else got married and had to put marriage first. Another just bought a pair of oxen and had to handle the family business. In other words, the material possessions and other interests and other relationships were more important to these people than Jesus. And to a large degree, this is the world in which we live today. Can I be so bold but gracious to even say, even amongst some people who say, I love God, who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And this story is helping us to understand there's going to be a lot of different things that we can be interested in and a lot of different things that we got to do and a lot of different people that we got to do them with. But the invitation is still there. The banquet table is still set. Jesus is still ready and willing and able to fill our lives with life and light and hope. But the question is, will you and I, like the shepherds, be receptive and re Responsive. And that's important. It's important because, see, if we're going to experience the king and we're going to experience his kingdom and the benefits of it, I have to be receptive and I have to become responsive. And some people might think, well, that's a no brainer, Pastor Robert. People, of course, they're going to respond to Jesus. That's not true. To a large degree, most people do not and will not respond. To Jesus. Can I just give you a big attaboy for responding to Jesus this morning, for being with us this morning, for making a decision to get out of bed and to get here to be receptive and to respond to Jesus? Because every time we do, the Bible shares with us what happens next. And I want us to notice what happens when the shepherds respond to Jesus. What happened to them 
And what could we expect will happen to us every time we receive and respond to Jesus? And I want you to just consider this. Receiving and responding to Jesus is not that that first time when you heard the message and when you said yes to him and you said a prayer or you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth and you got saved. Absolutely, that was a time of receptivity and responsiveness on our part. But how many of you know? Every day we have opportunity to receive and to respond to Jesus. Amen? Every day the Holy Spirit is beckoning us. He's calling us. He's drawing us. Let me give you an example. Invest some time with me. Read your Bible. Invest your time with me. Pray. Invest your time with me. Come to the gathering. Come to the house of God. Invest your time with me. Get in a connect group. Invest your resources with me. Invest yourself into this person and point me to that person. There's opportunities that you and I have to receive and to respond to Jesus even though we're already in the family. Amen? So what's the point? The point is receptivity and responding is not a one and done. It's an ongoing progressive process of our life in Christ and our spiritual maturity. So I want you to notice what happened to the shepherds. Look at Luke 2.12. Luke 2.12. Luke 2, the angels say, this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And the Bible tells us they found Mary, they found Joseph, Joseph, they found the baby, and they saw him. The Bible says that they saw him. I believe it was more than just physical sight. I believe what happens is the shepherds had a revelation of who Jesus was. The shepherds had a revelation of who Jesus was. See, they didn't just find and see a baby. They had a revelation of the Savior of the world. They had a revelation of the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord, the one that was sent to bring peace between God and man. And man and man, the one who would bring the good will of God upon all who receive him. And last but not least, they saw, they had a revelation, listen, of the bread of heaven. He was lying in a manger. What's a manger, church? A manger is a feeding trough. And symbolically, prophetically, that was speaking to the fact that anyone... And everyone who receives and responds to Jesus and begins to feed on Jesus would begin to experience personally the life and the light and the hope of Jesus. Amen? They saw all this. They had a revelation. The more revelation I have of Jesus, the more... I can experience Jesus. That's why Paul prayed. In Ephesians 1.17, out of the Amplified, it says this. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him, for we know the Father through the Son. This word revelation actually means to uncover, 
to lay open what was veiled or covered up. It means a disclosure of truth, a disclosure or instruction that was once hidden or covered up. These shepherds had a revelation because they made a decision to receive the good news of Jesus and to respond to the good news of Jesus. Have you ever had a revelation before? Have you ever been maybe, I don't know, thinking about something that you heard or something you experienced in a Bible study or at church or in a worship song? Or maybe you're digging in. You made a decision. I'm going to be a self-feeder and, and you got your Bible out and you, you got your concordance out and you got your different apps out and you're ready to go and you're studying and you're digging. You're, you're mining for spiritual treasures and you're reading and, and maybe you're a little bit, uh, maybe you're just a little bit distracted. You're thinking about some things that you got to do. That happens, right? And, and so I always have like a pen and a piece of paper because when those things come in my mind, I jot them down get them out of the way so that I can focus and dial into what God's trying to show me. And then as I'm seeking, as I'm, I'm reading, as I'm studying, as I'm praying, the lights turn on. And the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, He gives me a revelation, a revelation. For example, our Connect group met yesterday. There's a few of us that meet uh, at Friday's coffee shop on Saturday mornings, and we've been reading through the book of John. And we're in John chapter 18. And there's this one story where uh, Jesus is in the garden, and, and the Roman soldiers, they come to get him. And there's this one part where the Bible says that they asked Jesus who he was. And Jesus said, I am he. And the Bible tells us that when he said, I am he, that the Roman soldiers They fell back and they fell to the ground. What happened there? I've read that many, 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 many times. Some of you may not even know that's in there. But if you go back and you read that and you study it, what you'll find out is in that moment, Jesus wasn't just declaring who he was naturally. He was declaring who he was supernaturally. He was declaring the fact that I am God in the flesh. And the very power of God was on his life in such a way that when he said, I am he, the power of the spirit hit these Roman soldiers with their swords and with their shields. And they they couldn't, maybe as much as they wanted to stand up, they couldn't stand up because the power of God caused them to just fall back and fall down to the power of God. And I'd never seen that before. And I caught a revelation. The Holy Spirit unveiled something to me. He showed me something. And my prayer is, God, when I speak about Jesus to people, when I tell people who he is, when I point people to his truth, when I begin to minister in his power, I pray that the same power that was on Jesus is living on me and through me. And when people hear Jesus, the power of God cuts them to the heart. The power of God renews their mind. The power of God points them to the hope of the world. That's a revelation, church. You can have that, but notice the revelation came to the shepherds after they were receptive and after they responded. How much revelation goes untapped? Because I'm not receptive. Or when I don't respond. 
Father, help us to be receptive. Lord, help us to be responsive. Help us to consider that there's nothing, there's nobody more important than you. Give us a heart to pursue you. Give us a heart like the shepherds had to seek you, to go after you, to look for you, to search for you, to push people aside, to push things aside, to lay things down, to have no other God besides you in our life, to have no other rivalry in our hearts but you, Lord God. Give us a heart of response to you. And Lord, I thank you that when you do that, the Spirit will give us revelation. He'll uncover things. He'll uncover truth. He'll uncover instruction. He'll uncover healing. He'll uncover breakthrough. He'll uncover hope. He'll uncover the thing that we really need when we think it's this that we need. He'll redirect us. He's so good at that church. If we'll just be receptive, it will just be responsive. The Holy Spirit will lead us into revelation. Can somebody say amen? So first, the shepherds were receptive and responsive. And second, that led them to a revelation of who Jesus was. Friend, maybe you need to have a revelation of the fact that Jesus is your only hope. Emphasize only. Friend, maybe we need to have a revelation that Jesus is your way out. Not the bank. Not whatever it is you think is. Maybe we need to have a revelation that Jesus is your shalom. He is your peace. He is your wholeness. Spirit, soul, and body. Maybe we need to have a revelation that Jesus is the only one who can bring true fulfillment and satisfaction. Maybe we need to have a revelation that Jesus is ultimately our provider, that Jesus is ultimately our healer. Maybe we need a revelation that Jesus is our mountain mover. Can somebody say amen? See, but that, that takes receptivity. It takes, it, takes, it takes responding, going after him. Amen. If you're going to be receptive and responsive to Christ, I promise, if you'll make a decision to be that kind of a person, you're going to be a person who's receiving fresh insight, fresh revelation of who Jesus is and who he wants to be in your life. Amen. Number three, last characteristics of the shepherds. I'm going to have the worship team come up because we're going to respond to Jesus through a couple of more worship songs. But here's the third and last characteristic. You ready? The shepherds had a willingness, catch this, to reveal to others what they saw in Jesus. Oh, I'm going to say it again for you non-evangelistic people. Okay? The shepherds had a willingness to reveal to others what they saw in Jesus. Look at Luke 2.17 with me. Look at it. It says, Now when they, the shepherds, had seen him, Jesus, 
they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Friend, do you have a willingness? I'm not asking you if you know how to do it. I'm not asking you if you do it the best. I'm not asking you if you don't have any fear, because I do. I'm not asking you if you have all the answers. I'm not asking you any of that. I'm asking you, do you have a willingness, just a willingness, to reveal to others what you see in Jesus? Friend, that usually doesn't come just automatic. We have to give ourselves over to that. The shepherds, they made haste. They went and they began to share. They began to reveal with everyone what they heard about Jesus and what they saw, the revelation they had in Jesus. I am so grateful that when I was serving the devil, when I didn't know anything about Jesus, when I was lost, when I was in darkness, when I was doing all the things that I'm embarrassed to say I was doing, I'm so grateful that there were some men at the office I worked at who were willing to reveal to me what they saw in Jesus, who were willing to say, hey, come to our Bible study. Hey, come and sit down in this meeting with us. Hey, come on, come and, come and, come and pray with us. Come and check this out. It would bother me and bother me and bother me and bother me. Okay, I'll go. Just stop bothering me. Little did I know that just a glimpse just a glimpse would put me on a trajectory that would change my whole eternity because someone was willing to reveal Jesus to me. And from there, come and visit my church. Come on on a Sunday. Oh, no, I'm not a church. For, I don't, what's that? I don't do church. Come on, you got to come and check it out. Okay, I'll go one time. One time. And I only went one time to that church. One time to that church in Norwalk, California. Never forget it. One time, only one time. I don't even remember the message. All I remember is that the pastor gave an altar call. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to commit to Jesus, if you want hope that's found in Jesus, if you want to live a different life, inviting you, come to the front, and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I did it that day, and everything changed, friend. I began to go to another church in El Monte, California, and little by little by little, God, and he continues today to clean me up, to shape me up, to shape me, to mold me, to help me, to transform me, little by little by little. How did all that happen? How did it happen in your life? Somebody was willing to reveal Jesus. To you. So, Pastor Robert, what should I do? What, what do I do? Okay? First thing you got to do, just draw a line in the sand this morning. Make a decision to be more receptive and responsive. Don't be like having to pull teeth. Don't be like a mule that has to be prodded and pulled. 
Don't be hard for God to mold and shape and work with. Make a decision. I'm going to be more receptive and responsive. Amen. Can you do that? If you'll just do that one thing, the Holy Spirit will begin to give you revelation, begin to lead you, begin to give you a glimpse of Jesus. Come on. Even though you've been in church for years, some of you, he'll begin to give you glimpses of Jesus that you've never quite seen before. Because those only come when we're receptive and we're responsive. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.